is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community, for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810. WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every Sunday morning and we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And as always, I look forward to doing the show with you, getting into topics that we all have to deal with if we're in sports as an athlete, as a coach, as a fan. I've, in my 41st year of practice as a sports psychologist, one of the first trained people in the country in this profession, I've worked with every level of athletes from youth sports to the professional Olympic levels and I'm in my 31st year on the radio, last 21 here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And I do this show each week to talk about different topics that I think you'll find of interest. You know, as a psychologist, I see people in my office, I work with people, not just athletes and coaches and people in the sports world, but everybody, people who aren't athletes as well, because I am a clinical psychologist and my expertise is sports psychology. And one of the things that comes up all the time, obviously if anybody's coming in to talk to me, is mental health. You know, what's going on with you psychologically, emotionally, how you're handling things. And the mental health of athletes is just as important as the mental health of everybody. You know, we've seen the last few years the emphasis placed in sports on the psychological aspect, on depression and anxiety, pressure, expectations, failure. All these issues come up. And it's important to talk about these things because you can be six foot. 11 and weigh 240 and be a tremendous basketball center but that doesn't mean you can't get depressed at times can't get frustrated at times can't get stressed you can be a tremendous swimmer like Michael Phelps but have all kinds of issues that you didn't know you had until they started to get exposed to you you could be Naomi Osaka, one of the best tennis players there is, but can't handle the pressure of the media, the expectations, the booing. Then there's Simone Biles, who pulled out of the Olympics last year and was called a sociopath by a podcast host in this country because she pulled out of the Olympics. Well, 
she was suffering from pressure and stress of doing her vault. And she had what's called the twisties, which is where her physical and mental connection wasn't there. And if you're doing a vault, and I've worked with gymnasts my whole career since grad school, you run down, you jump on that vaulting board, you flip up in the air, your hands or feet hits the vaulting horse and you flip over and have to land. If you don't feel right, you could break your neck. So what she did was the right thing. And then she you know, got it together, came back and participated. I believe got a bronze medal in the Olympics in the vault. A lot of people were down on that. Well, I'd like to see them put themselves in her position. You know, people criticize football players for dropping passes or throwing an interception or making a mistake. Basketball player for missing free throw. Baseball player for striking out. Believe me, those athletes have to deal with their emotions when they fail. So I want to open up our phone lines. 913-3810-810. If you have played sports and you've been stressed, you've been depressed, you've lost your confidence, you've had a coach who yelled at you all the time, I'd love to hear from you. If you're someone who has felt psychologically, emotionally, you're able to deal with those things really well, why were you able to do that? How did you get through when the stress came on, when the pressure came on, when the depression came on, when the failures came on? You know, I did a show, and Blake's going to come on here and join me, my producer, Blake Schneiders. We did a show last year where I talked about learning from failure. And we had a guy who called up and said I was teaching people how to be, and I won't use the name, okay, a derogatory term. And I'm like, really? And the guy hung up and wouldn't talk to us. Well, if you play sports, you will fail. If you play sports, you will screw up. If you play sports, you will make mistakes. The greatest do it. Kobe Bryant broke a record two years before he retired. Most missed shots in the history of the NBA. And he played two more years. Michael Jordan's shooting percentage was 50%. That means he missed half his shots. The best athletes mess up. But they have to internally figure out how they're going to come back from it. So, Blake, you wanted to jump in here. Yeah. So, my whole thing, going back to the Simone Biles issue, my whole thing with that was I couldn't believe the amount of slander and the amount of doubt that she was getting in that moment. Because I said this pretty much as soon as, as she was talking about not being mentally stable, not, not feeling right. I knew one of the main reasons as well, and she later came out, you know, she had the twisties, you know, different things, but she later came out and said one of the biggest reasons that I did it was because of the last time she was on this stage was when the entire horrific incident with Larry Nassau. Nassar. 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 Nassar, there you go. Which she was a victim of. Which she was a victim of. She was a prime victim of. The whole horrific incident. So she said the biggest thing that happened was when she got back in that stage, especially after everything had came out, she had gone through all the realization, all the counseling. It all came crashing back. And that 
would rattle anybody, especially as somebody, you know, even as somebody as strong as Simone Biles, uh, you know, a, a feared Olympic athlete who was at the prime of primes. So that was the craziest. And, and I knew that instantly. I was like, oh, I bet. I can only imagine being back on this stage. So for all the people that were attacking her going, oh, you're giving up. You know, there was people saying, oh, you're giving up on the country. Or you're, you just can't handle the pressure. I'm like, you have no idea the unbelievable amount of pressure she's probably feeling, not just as an Olympic athlete, but also as somebody who's been horrifically traumatized on top of all of the pressure of being an Olympic athlete. Exactly. I couldn't believe that. Well, I can because we have so much hostility in this country now across all boards and you know, people acting out doing unbelievable things. And it's easy to lash out at someone and not have them give them an opportunity to confront you on that. You know, just like here we are on the radio, we can talk about whatever and we're we're and I'm open, you know, the phone lines are open, nine one three, three eight ten, eight ten. So I'd love to hear I'd love to hear from you. If you are an athlete or a coach and you feel pressure or stress, how do you handle it? Or do you handle it? It's part of who we are. It's part of what we're about. And you, you know, you can physically train and push yourself. And I've I've played I've played sports my whole life. I work out all the time. I you know, but I'm a human being. I've got feelings and emotions. I work with NFL players, Major League Baseball players, Olympians. I've worked with with very successful athletes in, in pretty much most sports, maybe not all, but most. And they've got to deal with the pressure and stress of failure, of expectations. That's one of the big things. Expectations of other people, how you deal with it. Let's face it, the NFL training camps are opening up right now. All these expectations are out there. Here we are in Kansas City that, you know, everybody's got these, you know, the Chiefs are going to make it to the fifth straight AFC championship game, go to the Pro Bowl, go to the Super Bowl, all this stuff. We don't know what's going to happen. No one knows. And as the season moves along, we'll see different things happening. You know, hopefully most players will stay healthy. Of course, they always don't. That's part of it. You know, how you come back from injuries, how you deal with the pressure of coming back from an injury, the expectations people put on you. The funniest thing to me about expectations is usually the highest expectations, in my opinion, and from what I've felt from, come from the people who've done the least. <laughs> come from the person who's never done it. Those people, oh, you guys are supposed to be professionals. Exactly. And they're professionals at the hardest sports in the world. Something that you have never done in your entire life. And most of those people who are also chiming in probably never got up off the couch enough to even attempt it. Yeah, cool. You played a little high school football. Now, that's great. So you have a fraction of an idea. Those who then got to go to college, you have a little bit more of an idea. But unless you were actually in those shoes, to have expectations, and then when those aren't met, it's fair to, have, it's fair to be critical of anything, you know? But also have to realize, is my criticism valid? You know, because that's such a hard thing to do. Especially, like, let's look at the Chiefs. We look at the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have been extremely successful ever since Andy Reid's got here, and they've only gotten better. And everybody was, of course, upset last year when they didn't make it into the Super Bowl because everybody thought they spoke, they were supposed to. It's just tough, man. Not at, Only two teams every year get to go to the Super Bowl, and those guys work their butts off. Well, as a fan, 
which I am of the Chiefs. I've been going to games since the first game they ever played. And people who know me always say, I, you know, always say you're about the, as big a fan of that team as there is. I've been going forever. I went to the first Super Bowl, went to the one we won you a couple years ago. You had the first season tickets, correct? I've got the program from the very first game. Yeah. I've got all the Super Bowl uh, souvenirs from the first Super Bowl. I have all that stuff because growing up as a kid, you know, I, I love the Chiefs. I've had Willie Lanier in this show. I've had Otis Taylor in this show um, from that great team, you know, back then. Um, I've interviewed Len Dawson before. Gunther Cunningham. So, well, I'm talking about back, Oh, from, from the original. Back, yeah. So, and I've got a picture up in, at, at home where Otis Taylor and I are standing right here in the studio when he was healthy and was able to come on the show. Willie Lanier's been on the show. You know, I've had some of these great athletes on from that team. Um, but they're people. They're people. And I think we, we put expectations on, on these, these people to be better than, you know, because they're maybe physically or ability-wise better than us in what they do, they're still people. And so mental health affects all of us. It affects everybody. There's a new mental health helpline. You dial 988, and that's if you, you know, just like 911 for emergencies, you dial 988, which is about time something like that's come on. That's a new number for people to call if you're in crisis. But mental health, as I always like to say, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will come out on top. This past week, I met with four NFL players getting ready to go to camp with different teams. And we talked all about this whole issue of, training camp, the expectations placed on them, how they want to perform, how they want to do well, but also how to deal with negativity because it's there. Negativity from teammates, negativity from coaches, negativity from fans. And I think, you know, we're, we're, in my perspective, we're, we're, there are three aspects of us. The way we're raised, which we can't do anything about, our genetics, which we can't do anything about, but the environment we're in now that we can do everything about. And how we make those adjustments and deal with those things really dictates so much about how we succeed or fail. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'd like to open up our phone lines here at 913-3810-810. If you're a coach, you've got an athlete who you can tell maybe is not doing well. They seem down. They seem quiet, unusually quiet from the way they are. They may seem stressed. They're not handling the pressures of playing. What is your role in terms of helping them? What do you need to do? If you're a teammate and you have someone on your team who you can tell is sort of down, doesn't feel well, you know, maybe they've dropped a pass or struck out or they've got, you know, their parents or the coaches yelling at them. What do you do as a teammate? All right, 913-3810-810 is our number. Love to get some calls in here and see what you have to say. If you're an athlete, if you're a coach, if you're a parent and you see an athlete on your child's team, it may not be necessarily your child, but you can tell they're struggling. Do you say anything to their parents about it? Do you try to go over and give them a, you know, a hug? What do you do to help an athlete get through dealing with negativity and pressure? 913-3810-810 is our number. 
I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Give me a call. Let's talk. Around the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Our flagship station, Sports Radio 810, <coughs> excuse me, WHB here in Kansas City. I'm talking about mental health today as an athlete, as a coach, and how you deal with success and failure. We're going to go to the phones here in a moment and talk to Amber, who's our first caller today. But before we do, I want, I'm going to share a story. And Blake asked me to, to share one, and I'm going to share one. So Nick Lowry, the great kicker who worked with me, as everyone knows, for a long time with the Chiefs, uh, also co-hosted this show for several years with me. One time back in the late 80s, when the Chiefs were playing in Houston, missed a 19-yard field goal, and the Chiefs lost that game by less than, than a field goal. He made a 50-something yard earlier in the game. That night, after team got back, he and I went out, got something to eat, and we stopped at a 7-Eleven. And Nick went in at 7-Eleven to get something, and I'm parked right in front. And as he's paying, there's this woman behind him in line with a couple little kids, and she realizes who it is, and she's telling her kids, and then she starts tapping down on the shoulder and starts pointing her finger at him, shaking her finger at him, makes a lot of hand gestures, and then looking at him, and he's talks, talking with her. Then she does it again. They talk a little longer. Then he ends up giving her a hug, ends up buying whatever she was buying there. Comes out, and I said, what was all that about? So she said, the lady taps, her on the shoulder, or taps him on the shoulder and says, you're that Nick Lowry guy, aren't you? You missed that field goal. We lost the game. It's your fault. How could you miss a 19-yard field goal? And he said, you know, I feel terrible about it. It's the only time I've ever missed one inside 20 years of my whole career. But I'm human. I screwed up. Did you see the 50-something yard I made? You're supposed to make all of them. You're not supposed to miss any. You're a professional. His response was, I'm supposed to make all of them. You're right, but I don't. And I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm going to try better next time. Anyway, they ended up hugging and he bought her food and she appreciated that but just goes to show you athletes are human all right let's go to the phones let's see what amber has to say amber good morning dr jacobs how are you hi i'm good how are you great thank you for calling in um so you asked the question earlier um what do we do if a teammate or yourself is down and one of the big things on my team is remembering what is our why why do we do this sport what motivates us, what encourages us to get through what we're going through with all the pressures and stress that we have. Um, and so, like, when I see a teammate down, I go up and just like, okay, like, hey, what's up? Like, what's going on? Like, and if they, like, open up to me, whatever, I'm just like, you know what, let's just go back to our basics. Like, why are we doing this sport? Why, why are you here? Like, are you here for your teammates? Are you here for your family? Are you here for just another reason? Um, and that's just a really big thing on my team right now. Can you share with us where you, what sport you play? Um, I am a rower. I do rowing. Wow. Okay. Well, that's that's an yeah. interesting one. Okay. And and yeah, get, kind of a niche sport. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I used to. Uh, well, I still am friends with Murphy Grant, who was the KU athletic trainer, and he worked a lot with the rowing team up there. Um, mm-hmm. So, give us an example of where that's happened. What'd you say? If if you could give us an example of where where you've had to do that before, where you've had a teammate who's um, been down, what, and how'd you get through it? What'd you say to them, and how did it help or not help? So uh, we have like a big test 
every year coming back. Um, and so one of our, one of my teammates was just like kind of freaking out and like, oh my gosh, like, am I going to finish this test? Am I going to hit my time? And I just was just like, you know what? Let's not worry about, are you going to finish it? Are you not going to hit your time? Let's worry about why you're here, why you want to do this. And um, we just kind of just calmed our nerves. And um, I was just like, just don't worry about the numbers on the screen. Don't worry about what you think the coaches are thinking. Just worry about, like, why you're doing the sport. I think you're doing, excuse me, I think you're doing a tremendous help. I want to give you, uh, share something with you. You keep using the word worry. When mm-hmm. I was when I always talk to people, I I, I, t- I have them write down a list of the difference between focusing and worrying. And yes. so so I would substitute the word focus for worry in terms of what you're doing because focus is more okay. of a positive than and you know when you say worry it brings up negatives. But if you bring, yeah, yeah. if you talk about focusing, then it's more of a positive thing. I think what you're doing is great, but I would change those two words around. Yeah, for sure. I will remember that. Thank you. You're what what level do you do you row at? Uh, collegiate. Okay, so you're right. You come 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 back. There's a fitness test that you guys have to basically. What you're talking about. There's a fitness test you've got to yeah. do and, and meet the requirements in order to to compete. Right. That's what you're getting at. Yes. And some and so you had a teammate that was a little bit scared or hesitant or freaking out about it. Did you help? Did she get through it? Yes, she did, and she performed greatly. So how much of that, from your perspective, was her fear or her worry of not meeting expectations, not doing well because she's going to let the team down, she's going to let the coach down, or herself down? You're, are you asking how that affected me? No, for her. What, from her perspective, how much of that was maybe a fear on her part of letting herself down, the team down, the coach down? Um... It was probably a big part of it. Um, I mean, it's a big team sport. Um, and, I mean, the uh, numbers that we score get sent out to everyone on the team. And so um, I'm pretty sure that was just, like, weighing heavy on her shoulders and kind of looming over, looming over her head, you know? Well, let me say, I'd like to share this. I don't know who you are, Amber, but she's lucky to have you as a teammate. You're a very bright, <laughs> r- very, you. well, you're welcome. You're a very bright young lady because your perspective here is what everybody should have with their teammates to try to help yeah. them get through it because you've probably been there yourself, haven't you? Yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's why. And so she's lucky to have you as a teammate. You're very smart in terms of what you've said, and I really appreciate you calling in, and good luck with what you're doing because you're doing – if you keep doing this the way you're doing, you're you're doing the best you can do, and that sounds great. Thank you so much. All right, you have a good day, and thanks so much for sharing your story. Appreciate yes, it. You too. Okay, bye bye. All right, let's go next to Brian. Brian, good morning, Doctor Jacobs. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, um, I uh, I think adding on to to that, I think um, your teammates and your coaches are the the key to that like there i think there's always going to be unachievable expectations from other people um no matter what 
Like that's never ever going to change. And so, to me, um, as a you know as a player and um, having coached for a long time, to me that was the the most important thing that you could do for your teammates. It's, it's all about you know that brotherhood or sisterhood of the team, and you, you just have to accept that some people are going to have um, expectations that you that, you know that that you can't achieve. But your teammates will always. Um, and hopefully your coaches will always understand and kind of be on your side. And to me, that, that's been um, the thing that got me through a lot of things like, okay, a, a parent or, uh, or somebody in the press or whatever um, doesn't think, you know, you know, isn't, isn't happy with you. But if you, you, know, you work hard and you're a good teammate and, and your teammates have your back, that's always enough. Or that was always enough for me. What sport? What sport, Brian? Do you play? I, I played baseball, and I have a little quick story. I think that is that uh, is kind of interesting. I, I was a high school baseball player um, at the time, and our high school had a lot of expectations. Big baseball school, tons of expectations. Um, I came in in an important game as a sophomore in high school and threw a wild pitch that uh, gave up the the winning run that ended our season, and really, really. Uh, for about three hours was, um, you know, just devastated. And when we got back to the um, to our school, the, the, co- the coach, um, who was a legendary and a mentor of mine that I'll never forget, was, uh, pulled me aside and just said, hey, you, you work as hard as anybody on this team and you're going to be able to do whatever you want to in this sport as long as you keep working at it. And and that, that was it. Like, after that, I never um, – you know, I just moved on because I knew he had my back. And um, and uh, interestingly, about uh, a year ago, um, I went to the funeral of a teammate's mother and uh, on that team. And I was going through the reception line, and the father the, of the of the deceased, oh Brian, how you doing? <laughs> Thanks for coming to the funeral. So good to see you. Remember that wild pitch that you threw that lost that game in, in uh, you know, whatever? And I was like, oh, my God. He's like still, you know, and, and, and it bothered me for about three seconds. And then I remembered what, Mar, what, co- what my coach said to me. Right. And, I, and I was like, you know, it's okay. That's just always going to be like that. Um, and uh, that's the one thing he remembers about me as a baseball player. But there's so much more. Um, that my that my teammates and and you know you have to have a, a lot of I think. Well, you're just like Amber, who just called in, Brian. You're 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 fortunate that you get get it, um, and you're fortunate for you that you got it because look, I mean, yeah, I remember uh, last year in the College World Series, Stanford's closer threw and he's a stud closer. He threw a wild pitch that lost the game and and ended their their run for a national championship. You, you know, Bill Buckner had to live with that ball going through his legs at first base for the Red Sox. Um, how you deal with these things is always going to be there. Um, the Buffalo Bills kicker, uh, Scott Norwood, they call him Scott Norwide. You know, in the Super Bowl, missed missed a field goal that would have won it. Um, you're remembered for your 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 failures more so sometimes than for your successes, because everybody sees you fail. And they want to rub it in in some way, or they want to say something. And the fact that you had a coach who got it, who understood it, and encouraged you to move on really helped. How far did you go go in your sport? 
Uh, I played college baseball. Well, good for you. Good for you. And I'll bet that that game, that wild pitch, is something that's there, but, but you've learned and grown from what happened from that. It probably made you better. Yeah, everything you do. And, yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. It, uh, it, it's So much of it is good fortune um, of, of having a coach or being around players like that. And, that, and you know, and that's, you know, that's why I started coaching. Um, it's because you, you know you have something to give. And, uh, and uh, um, I think the people that have been through that or, or anything like that, and that's a minor thing compared to, to uh, you know, the things that you brought up where you're in front of the – you know, you're in front of the whole world, but, um, but it does stick with you. It's your, you know, it's your thing. And, and that was my thing at the time. And you just got to make it your thing. You know, you got to make it, uh, where, uh, and I just really tried to do that for the players that I coach where you, you, you know, you always got to focus on the, on the good and the success and because the failures are going to come. They're going to happen. It's an, yeah, it's inevitable. You're going to fail at whatever you do. And, how you learn to overcome that is what's going to make you better and, and, and give you the opportunity to be more successful. And you're lucky. See, see, you're lucky because you had a coach who got it because I deal all the time with young athletes who come into my office who have coaches that don't get it and leave really negative scars on these young people. So yeah, it's a shame. Well, listen, sir, thank you for calling in. And, uh, and I appreciate what you're doing, talking about this on the radio, and thanks for, uh, thanks for what you do. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Take care of yourself. Thanks for your call. All right, that frees up our lines here at 913-3810-810. Two great calls. I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach or an athlete. So we're talking about mental health. I'm talking about the role, how you feel in your sport affects how you do. And with both scenarios, we just have both callers, when you fail... How do you move on from that? Nobody like, you know, I won't say nobody. There are people that like to fail because they do it sometimes on purpose. But we're all going to fail and screw up in a sport. You know, you miss a key putt, you you double fault, you you miss the turn, you you drop a pass, you strike out, you miss a shot, whatever. It happens to all of us. And lots of people have really difficult times moving on from that. Because of this word, expectations. Expectations of other people. You're supposed to do that. You're supposed to, why did you do that? What's wrong with you? Well, gosh, I, I'm human. I screw up. I, 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 you know, I walk, I talk, I, I, I you know, I, I, I make mistakes. It happens. What do you want to say? I was just, uh, one second. All right. The, 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 the thing is this. Okay, Blake was going to jump on. We're getting a car. If, if you can, can understand, and, and this is a big piece of, I think, sports and getting successful and overcoming failures, how to learn from that and grow from that, it's going to make you better. But if you dwell on it and get obsessed with it, you're not. Go, go ahead, Blake. So one of the one of the great quotes that I've always I heard I actually heard this probably too late in my career. Um, Your career's still going on. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. 
just in my athletics career. But th this applies to everything. This applies to your life across the board. That's why I love sports because it directly applies to a lot of other things in your life. The lessons that you learn in sports, this is why I think people get so emotional and romantic about sports is because it does directly apply to everything else in your life. It teaches you great life lessons. But one of the best quotes that I've heard is, there's no such thing as winning and losing. There's not winners and losers. And if you're good at it, there's winners and learners. Because when you lose, you have to take away things that you, why, why did you lose? What could have caused me to lose? And then you start reflecting on all these different possibilities. And you'll usually end up leading you down a path to finding the answer. So not only did you, yeah, you might have lost. That's not failing. Losing is not failing. No, it's not. It's, no, it's, learning. it's, it's learning. It's learning and hopefully that gives you an opportunity to get better. My great uncle, Hurst Jacobs, I've mentioned his name numerous times on this show. My grandfather's brother, my grandfather's one of 10 kids. Uncle Hirsch, who was one of my role models growing up, was the winningest trainer in horse racing history when he died, February 13, 1970. His daughter, Patrice, my cousin Patrice, owned, affirmed, who won the Triple Crown in 1978. I've had her on the show before. Very, very close with them. I spent a week with Uncle Hirsch back in 1967 in the summer. A week with my grandmother, then a week with, with him and, and Aunt Ethel, which I liked being with them more, it was more fun. But he took me to the racetrack every morning and he told me a quote, sports is the greatest theater in the world. Everyone knows their part, but no one knows what will happen. I don't think you could say it any better than that. Let's go back to the phones. Let's see what Wayne has to say. Wayne, good morning, how are you, sir? Hey, good morning, that's a great quote. That's, a, that's something to write down right there. But, well, yeah, I, I've, I've lived with that my whole life and he did too, because he was a pretty damn good horse trainer. Yeah, I, I um, appreciate what you do. I. I don't live in Kansas City anymore. I live in southeast Kansas, but lived up here and, and uh, listen to you all the time. I still listen to you back. And actually, I own the radio stations in Parsons, and you're on. we're an affiliate, so we play your show every Sunday morning. Cause oh, I want well, to thank share you. what you do with people down there. But just to add on to what you were saying about, I think that the, the, the mental, of course, the mental piece of the game, but I think that those, those athletes that, that can let go, that can forget about that wild pitch or that strikeout or that error, that's what separates. I think that's what separates. No matter what your level is, but that's what separates the, the good and the you know the good and the great at whatever level is that mental piece of it, right? I mean that's that's what that's what allows a kid to strike out and the bases loaded jam and then go up the next time and and hit you know hit a home run or whatever. But I just think that's the the mental piece is what is what separates athletes. Right? Well, well, great example, Wayne was in the playoffs with the Chiefs in Buffalo last year. At the yeah. end of the first half, Harrison Bucker missed a 50-year. Harrison Bucker and Tommy Townsend were on my show uh, late last year. The podcast is on my website. They, they, Harrison Bucker came out at the end of the first half and missed a 50-yard field goal. Barely. I mean, 50 yards is not a chip shot. Well, no. then there's that 13-second, you know, infamous series where, you know, we get the ball and, Tyreek and Travis catch these two passes, then Harris has to come on with no time, with, what, three seconds left, whatever it was. Yeah. And he kicks a 49-yard field to send the game into overtime. After the game, he was interviewed, and in the interview he was saying, you know, when he missed the 50-yarder, the wind just took it a little bit. The wind stopped, and the ball didn't go where he wanted to go, so he adjusted his focal point and changed his perspective. And in that interview... I was listening to it, and he said he wasn't even realizing 
that if he missed the thinking, or excuse me, he wouldn't even think if he missed the kick, that the season was over. He was focusing on executing. So he was able yeah. to go from a missed kick from 50 yards to making a 49-yarder. And, and, you know, I can't think of any more pressure than that because yeah. he misses that kick, the season's over, and he nailed it, which which just goes to show you, I think, that how focusing on your effort versus results makes such a big difference. Kickers are the perfect example and the epitome of this. I mean, you number one, you're on an island, right? Every 80,000 80, plus televisions watching you. And, you know, you brought up Scott Norwood, but I mean, those kickers have to, you know, you have to have a short memory and, and nothing, you know, anyway, that, that's a great example. Um, could you talk kind of going away? Cause all of us, all of our, all of us have played on a bad team, uh, you know, and, and uh, how a person, what, how, what, what advice, you know, like Whit Merrifield, somebody I'm thinking of, you know, has a struggling year, not performing like he wants to perform on a bad team. How do you, how do you advise somebody who's on a bad team to, to still be positive, even when it looks dismal as a team? How do you, and you're not supposed to be a selfish player, right? You're not supposed to think about yourself, but how do you focus on, how do you keep the? How do you recommend somebody keep the focus when they're on a bad team? And um, you know, well, I, having been having been uh, these team psychologists for the Royals in the past on some bad teams, I I, I can uh, tell you about that, dude. So every 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 baseball player, and just if we talk about specifically baseball here, or every athlete in general, but they've all got goals, and. I think one of the key things when I work when I worked with the Royals, and I work with a lot of great great athletes. I was there in 1990 when George Brett won his third batting title. Bo Jackson was there. Tom Gordon, who worked with me for 20 years, has been on this show many times. Um, had the major league record for 54 saves in a row. You know, you you've got individual goals. You've got team goals, and everybody's got to focus on what their individual goals are. And trying to accomplish that when you're on a team like that, because if you do that, then you're going to have a better chance to be successful. Sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, baseball is a game of failure. You know, yep. you hit 300, you're in the Hall of Fame, and you failed seven times. Now, those seven times, you may have hit the ball hard five times. You may have struck out once and popped up the other. But it's 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 a matter of I, I talked earlier about focus versus worry, and. When the Royals did hire me, and I won't mention names, but when I did get hired at the All-Star break a few years ago, we had a guy who went 0 for 9 to start the break, all all line drives. And he was very frustrated, and we talked after his ninth line drive out, and he was frustrated because he, he said, I'm executing, but the result's not there. I said, I remember he pulled me aside under the dugout where I, where I would be during the games, and we talked about it just briefly because it's the game's going on. I said, "You got you're, you're doing great. Just keep doing what you're. You got quality at bats. Keep doing what you're doing." Well, I said, "I said next to battle, but you get a double." Well, my mouth to God's ears, he got a double. He then went. I think it was. I believe it was eleven for thirteen. I may be wrong totally on that. And he got all these hits. And then I remember coming in the locker room, and one of the other players pulled me. What are you telling him? I said, "Focus on executing." And that athlete pulled me aside. He goes, I'm 11 for 22 since the All-Star break. And he said, but I said, of those 22 at-bats, 
I don't care about stats that much, but I, we had to use it as a, as a talking point. Of those 22 at-bats, how many good at-bats did you have? He said 21. The only one was the pop-up I had yesterday. But I said, keep doing that. And he ended up hitting over 300 the rest of the year because that was his focus on yeah. executing. And the team wasn't that good. But you know, you've got to, you've got to have individual goals along with the team goals and use those to help spur you on. And that young man did it, and great guy, too. Great, great person. Because you play baseball. I mean, I, I've spent five, six, five years in, in, in total working with the Royals over the years. And believe me, I've seen the, the failures happen all across the board. But, you know, I, I, Bo Jackson, who's the greatest athlete in modern times, in my opinion, got criticized by everybody. Oh, you should play one sport, not two. He didn't care what people said. He focused on, except for the people he cared about. He focused, and he would always tell me, he goes, Doc, I don't think I'm too bad at both of them. He says, so they can say whatever they want. I've just got to focus on what i got to do. That's why he was so great. And I think that, at that, in addition to his physical skills, but mentally, he was very strong because he'd been dealing with criticism his whole life, and he'd learned how to handle it. Yeah. Well, thanks great for, stuff. Thanks for your hey, call, Wayne. Hey, what you're doing. You make a difference. Well, thank you, sir, and t- thanks for putting the show on in Parsons. I appreciate that, and uh, you take care, and thanks for your call today. All right, appreciate it. Bye-bye. You're welcome. That frees up our lines here. 913-3810-810 is the number. And, you know, the, the mental health mindsets, they, in the end, you can be the most physically talented person there is, and that's going to get you to a certain place in terms of how you do. But where your mindset is, is going to take you to the next level. And I've been fortunate enough, like I shared, I've been doing this for 41 years. When I worked with the U.S. Cycling Federation, I was the team psychologist with them for from 1982 to 1988. I went to three world championships and the 84 Olympics where we won nine medals, had not won any in 72 years. And I've, I've had... A couple of those guys on the show. And I'm going to have Steve Haig back on again. Steve won a gold and silver medal. And individual and team pursuit. And we've talked about... There's there's no greater pressure than being, I think, than being an Olympic athlete and competing in your home country. In the Olympics. Because the whole world's watching you. And you know it. Your whole country is watching you, and you know it. And if you screw up, everybody sees it. And if you succeed, everybody sees it. So it's how you learn to deal with that. But you've got to be focused on yourself. You've got to be focused on your goals. And you can't listen to what everybody's saying. Because the naysayers are always going to be there with whatever you do. It's like Blake, you mentioned with Simone Biles. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Love to get your thoughts. If you have questions or comments or there's a topic you'd like me to bring up, you can always send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. My office number is 816-561-5556. I do I am taking on new clients. Love to hear from you if you're interested. You can follow me on Twitter at DRJ Sports Psych. Our shows are podcasted on my website, winnersunlimited.com and on all the major podcast apps. Get people to listen to these. It'll help them out. Take care. We'll talk to you next week.